on this episode of Comedy Rewind. Is Shaun of the Dead as good as it gets in the Cornetto trilogy? Is there a better example of mastering callbacks and foreshadowing than in this movie? Does Shaun and Ed need more character development or is that asking for too much from a horror comedy? All of this and more on Comedy Rewind. 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 Push Rewind. I thought this was a comedy show. What's going on guys? Welcome back to 8-Bits Comedy Rewind. We are powered by Audio-Technica as we rewatch the great comedies of the 1990s and 2000s. I'm your host, John O'Peck, and joining me, we have two guests in Melbourne. They're bunkered down, waiting for all of this to blow over. It's Matt Stallone from Audio-Technica and Brendan White from The Hungry Gamers. How you doing? Doing really good. I think uh, we just get together annually for the uh, the Comedy Rewind Horror Special, don't we? This is This is the last time we're all together on a podcast. Second time's a charm. Yeah, we did School of Rock, actually. Oh, so, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, but not for Halloween. This is it. It's an no. annual thing. Yeah, it's I'm... the. Uh, it's, I guess it's the one-year anniversary of Maddie joining Comedy Rewind. So welcome back. One-year anniversary of my first podcast. <laughs> you'll be you'll be happy to know I've done an additional podcast since then. Brilliant. Double, <laughs> and, double it was, the amount. and it was fine. No, it was two, and they were both fine. Brilliant. Yeah, and I was on both of them. <laughs> there you go. Just, just hold my hand podcast sensei show me the way it would be my pleasure and it's uh it's a pleasure to be here i'm very excited to be talking about this fantastic film and uh the rewatch today was very fresh and very humorous that's all i'm gonna say yeah mine was equally as fresh i'm ready yeah so we're talking Shaun of the dead 2004 horror comedy directed by edgar wright written by wright with uh, simon pegg who's the star and titular character of Shaun. and uh this is actually I i tweeted this out the other day the most requested episode on comedy rewind and what i mean by that is when i put the feelers out to all my potential co-hosts to see which films they might want to cover the most requested one that people put their hand up for was Shaun of the dead and i've picked you two gentlemen to do it so hope you feel very special hey all you other potential co-hosts out there sucked in <laughs> we're here you're not <laughs> I just feel just stupid amounts of pressure now because I didn't request this movie, even though I love it dearly, and I will I will do my best to do it justice. The pressure's on. Yeah, it's they'll, just they'll you can't to... argue because we're the horror boys, we're the the horror comedy yeah, boys. That's that's our niche. It was cool. Don't take this away from me. I need this one thing. That's it. They'll yeah. have to settle for like uh, Zombie Land or Boo. you know Hot Fuzz or something. But anyway, oh, I'm sure definitely they can have it. Hot Fuzz. Ugh. Don't disparage Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz is a great film. This this trilogy just went south from here progressively. I, I do agree with that. Even though Hot Fuzz ain't bad, what followed is, is, is not so much. Look, I think they're all great movies. This is probably the this is probably the best. It, yeah, I think I like this one the most. But we'll get into all that later. Um, let's talk about your personal memories and experiences with this 2004 movie what were you doing back then and did you see it at the movies did you see it on the dvd or did you download a torrent brendan we'll start with you i saw it at the movies thank you very much i was uh the prime age of 18 i was in my prime this was a reckless crazy party animal brendan era this was sort of when i was just finding my footed footing in manhood and uh watched this movie it was uh Stuck in a sea of serious zombie movies around that era. Like we had 28 Days Later in Resident yep. Evil in 2002. Then we had Dawn of the Dead same year with Shaun of the Dead. We had Day of the Dead in 2005 and then a heap of others. 
over the years in those sort of back end 2000s. And um, this one really stood out because it was sort of a, a flip of the script, really, you know, where they changed mm. the tone instead of it being dreary. Like, don't get me wrong, there's a couple of emotional moments in this movie, but for the most part, it's it's focusing more on, on fun and laughter. And it really sort of stood out compared to those other movies I just mentioned. So I just remember this is my final year of high school, uh, going to the pubs and whatnot, and we actually watched this in Canberra. We actually did a road trip up to Canberra f- to the Big Smoke from Cooma and watching this at uh, the Hoyts Cinema in Tuggeranong. We had uh, Kingsley's Chicken before it because uh, Kingsley's is life and then uh, watched this movie, me and a group of the boys. And then uh, after this, we went out in the town and got rowdy and I probably got kicked out of a place called Shooters or Mooseheads, I'd imagine, was how the rest of the night ended up. So uh, good times, good times indeed. Wow, very detailed recollection there, Brendan. Definitely struck a chord. It really did. Yeah, getting no no twin, twin cinema Kuma. For, for Shaun of the Dead. No, no Savoy. We went to the Big Smoke because we partied that weekend. And um, yeah, I think we like we stayed up in Canberra that weekend. And uh, yeah, it was a good time. What about you, Matty? Well, a uh, mine's yeah, a bit younger, far less eventful than uh, Brendan's. I, this movie, I was 12 when this movie came out, fellas. Um, so I, I don't think I watched it on release day, but I do have a, a very fond memory of watching uh, this movie as well as every movie I shouldn't have watched. Uh, I watched it with my dad and uh, I loved every second of watching this movie um, as a kid. Because it was lots of violence and lots of swear words, and I thought both of those things in a sort of comedy element was foreign to me. Because all the horror, all the zombie movies I'd watched before it were serious zombie movies. Um, I definitely watched Re- Resident Evil before this. I remember watching that when it came out because um, I just I played the games as like as a little one, little little one, and and I wanted to watch the movie. And my dad um, needed a movie buddy to watch all these horror movies <laughs> with, so I, I volunteered as tribute. Um, when I watched this movie, I didn't know what it was all about, but I had a great time i've watched this movie uh countless amount of times since then and every single time i watch it i find more reasons to enjoy it so um i guess my favorite memory of watching this movie or around that it probably isn't the first time i watched it but honestly every time i watch it i think i have more fond memories of it because it's such a goddamn good time so yeah hopefully that sort of summarizes it a little bit yeah for sure it's um it's interesting we've all got like varied experiences with this because i was not a you know you guys know i'm not a horror guy uh zombie movies weren't part of my repertoire as far as a movie goer and a bit of a sissy boy when it comes to movies jp but you're getting better these days (laughs) yeah i'm getting better um but I, i was a fan of spaced which i think i'd seen on the comedy channel or uk tv or something and um being a fan of of that and simon Pegg and Nick Frost as a combo, I thought, oh, this looks fun. Like, it looks funny. It's, even if it's got a bit of a horror element, it's not going to, like, give me nightmares or anything because it's primarily going for the laughs. And I really dug it. And I think I probably watched it when I was at uni. It was probably 2006 uh, by that point. I probably watched it on my laptop, to be honest. And, um, yeah, since then got into the rest of the Cornetto trilogy and this is probably the one that just has that special place as being such a unique film like I hadn't seen anything like it at the time not just because of the zombie stuff but the editing it's, it's very much following on from the the style that Edgar Wright brought to Spaced with the quick cuts and the uh, pop culture references and it's almost like uh, in some ways it was almost, almost like Kevin Smith for a new 
yep. era in the way that, you know, some people would say Judd Apatow was that, but it, it was kind of that like, like the first probably 20 minutes of this movie, it's almost like clerks. It's these slackers. They got mm. no lives. You know, they're bums and he's just got dumped by his girlfriend and he's, his housemate is a total like no hoper, I guess. So it's got that kind of um, Gen X vibe to it, which is, holds up really well and kind of sets it off on a strong footing to be that kind of movie. And then, oh, wait, there's zombies. So it's it's um from the get-go, just a great watch. And I think that there's, the amount of foreshadowing in this movie is really second to none. We'll, we'll so get much. that, that <laughs> later. So much. <laughs> it's, it's just so genius. I love that they put so much thought and care into this. And you can see that they really love the genre as well as far as like the horror elements um being inspired by all those movies that you guys are fans of and there's just so much like to dig into as far as like the backstory to this movie but we'll get to some of that a bit later let's start with rotten tomatoes now before we guess the rotten tomato score do you guys want to guess how much money this made at the box office if you don't already know Okay, no, I don't know. I have the IMDb page pulled up, but I can't see the, the cash money. I'm, I'm going to, like, you'd only ask this question if it goes either one way or the other way extreme, I think. <laughs> so I'm going to say not a lot. I know that's, that's not an actual that's a number. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't successful at give the box a, office. Can I a, say that? Yeah, give me a ballpark, like, to the um, nearest 10. To the nearest 10? Yeah. I was going to say 10, but I'll say 20. Okay. Matty? I'm going to go... Okay, box office. Budget. The budget was $6 million, so I'll start with, with that. So I'm going to go $43 million. Okay. I think it's going to be like 12, isn't it? Uh, so, it's $30 million. So, Ooh, I guess okay. Brendan's technically closer, but I feel like um, he's too low f- for me to, to give him the win, so I'll give it to Matty. Don't Thank ask you. about the math. I'm just going to give it to Matty. Nah, I agree with that logic, Jono. I <laughs> 100% right, agree Rawls, with that logic. I don't he care. Busted. It's yeah. the opposite in Comedy Rewind. <laughs> oh, price is wrong. Yeah, price is wrong. Um, yeah, so $30 million, I was surprised by that because I feel like it had... I guess it was British film, so I guess that kind of limited the uh, marketing side of it. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I feel like there's no reason why this movie couldn't have been as successful as uh, you know the other big comedies i guess it doesn't have that appeal to younger people being as like a bit of a horror being a bit graphic that kind of turns off a few people and then being british i guess that turns off other people and then yeah. the cast too like not disrespecting the cast but there's no real hollywood heavyweight there cheering this thing at the time so like simon Pegg has since become yes you're right pretty globally renowned since but this in was the early probably, 2000s. Yeah, this was probably his first like lead role as a, uh, in, a in a film, I would guess. I don't know that for sure, but um, you're right. It, it is kind of a who's who of the British comedy scene at the time, yep, though. It's pretty mm-hmm. awesome. I think, um, uh, yeah, I watched a few episodes of Spaced and there's so many people just appearing in this movie. Yeah. Not that they're of relevance <laughs> to anyone, but yeah, just having that connection has been awesome. Yeah. And then like Lucy Davis, who plays Diane, she was on The Office around that time. And you've got Dylan Moran, who everyone knows from Black Books. So they, they really did just pull in a bunch of, I guess, the friends that they'd made along their 
success in the the sitcom scene of of uh, the UK at the time. So the Rotten Tomato score now's the the real guessing game. Um, what do you got, Brendan? Well, do I need to say something wrong so then I'm right based <laughs> off these comedy rewind scoring criteria? I'm gonna say we we'll go closest to the paint. I'm gonna say seventy seven. 84. 92. Oh! Matty wins again. Yeah, well, I win by any logic there, Brendan. <laughs> yeah. All right? I win by yours and Jono's logic. So. Yeah. Now, you're closest to going over, so you lose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I guess um, better than both of you thought it would be, which... That's impressive. ...speaks to, I guess, the... Crit- crit- you know, obviously the critical um, response was really good. And another reason I'm surprised it didn't make quite as much money but i guess 30 million to a six million dollar budget would be considered quite a success uh there's a couple review remarks that i'll read out here the nme over in in england it's no easy task combining comedy and horror into a neat little package but edgar wright provides a taut homage to self-aware parody without ever falling into spoof territory that is a really uh astute observation i think because this could have easily been like a naked gun or a hot shots or a scary movie kind of thing and it just never felt like that mm-hmm. yeah god shout, shout out to hot shots by the way <laughs> they are perfection but no they it toes the line very well like it's it's walking a tightrope the entirety of this 100 minute runtime and it and it executes it like it doesn't fall off that tightrope mm. like the oh. comedy is just so on point and just nails it every time we're going to bring this up a hundred times, but the pacing of this movie and the way it's yeah. just put together is incredible. It does not stop. And it's like, it very quickly is its own movie. It's not a parody. It's not anything. It's not trying to make fun or rip anything off. It is like its own within the first five minutes. It's its own movie. It's its own style. And it's just not parody. It's just paying homage really to a lot of the stuff. It's not trying to, yeah, it's the way that it respects its source material. And like, well, I'm going to talk about so many like little Romero <laughs> bits and pieces, like all these deaths that are ripped out of straight out Romero movies. But like, yeah, the, the pacing of this thing is incredible. Mm. I, I'd say like, as the comment, as that review said, there is, there is parody, but it's never like, it's, it's, it's very self-aware. So it's kind yep. of like, you know, for example, they don't realize that the zombies have arrived until it's super obvious. Like, yeah, they're just oblivious to it. And, you know, they ref- like he doesn't want to call them zombies, which they never seem to do in in horror movies for whatever reason. So, th- there are things there that um, are kind of uh, meta analysis of, of the, the genre of. Um, of zombie movies i'm guessing without having an intimate knowledge of them but yeah like you said it's never it never borders into that that um kind of cheeky territory so we'll move on to the number one song when this movie released in the aria charts what was happening in the rest of the world i'm gonna go with because we've done a lot of films in 2004 and i've done a lot of games in 2004 with the hungry game show but i'm gonna go off the track and not say it's an usher song yeah because usher was the king of 2004 (laughs) give me give me some hooverstank give me some hooverstank oh brendan we this was a question because we did on the hungry game show and i've forgotten it so that's great (laughs) (laughs) who would have thought i forgot something uh i think it's like uh oh man 
Isn't it an Usher song or something like that? Or isn't it like I think it's something I don't I don't know, this but is, I think it's of that elk. It's October of that year. Okay. And it might not be exactly what you've been asked before, Maddie, but uh I'll I'll go ahead and say the song is Out with My Baby, which I've never heard of. Who by Guy that? Guy Sebastian. Oh, oh. <laughs> Guy Sebastian. Fresh off of Idol. Oh, I was sneaking off to vote for him five times in the other room on Mum's cell phone back in 2004. <laughs> Maddie, what are these charges? <laughs> yeah. So the next week it was Maroon 5, She Will Be Loved. Something that oh. holds up a bit better, I think. But yeah. yeah, anyway. What have you done for me lately? So we'll run through. There's quite a few people here. Simon Pegg and Nick Frost were both in a series called Truth Seekers, which I've been yet to check out. Has anyone seen that at all? Yeah. Not great. It's fine. Okay. Everything else they've done in the past 10 years. Uh, Simon Pegg's got a few movies in post-production, including Mission Impossible 7 and 8, somehow. There's a Star Trek sequel, an Ice Age sequel. Nick Frost had a series called Why Women Kill. I'm not sure what that's about. Kate Ashfield, who plays his girlfriend... Uh, Liz was in a, a bunch of mi- British miniseries that aren't worth mentioning because I've never heard of them. Uh, Penel- Penelope Wilton, who plays si- uh, Sean's mother, uh, is known for like Downton Abbey and that kind of thing. But she just did um, some appearances on Afterlife, which is Ricky Gervais's latest TV series. Really good and some really heartfelt scenes. She's a great actor. Lucy Davis, who plays Diane, who I mentioned as, uh, you know, known as Dawn Tinsley from the original UK, The Office. She had a run in The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. And then... She was great in that. Yeah. And then this is a surprising one. Dylan Moran, known for black books, obviously. He is playing Uthrock, one nut, in the Witcher Blood Origin miniseries, which is a prequel to The Witcher on Netflix that I had no idea was coming. So that's a thing that exists. It's a six episode season and I'm really looking forward to that now. Oh, what? That's awesome. I just watched the, mm. I watched the cartoon, you know, the new, the new season's yeah. coming out in December and I've just witnessed Renee replay the entire thing. So I'm excited for more Witcher. Yeah. I'm even more excited that Dylan Marantz is involved. So bring it mm. on. Yes. Did you mention Martin Freeman or was I just not listening? I didn't mention him because he's in this for like three seconds. Yeah, but still... <laughs> Okay. Him and Matt Lucas both getting three seconds of airtime. I thought I was pretty big. Yeah, it's quite funny that scene where they just kind of pass by. It, it, all right. Um, Old mate's in a few Marvel movies. Um, his housemate, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Peter Serafinowicz is in Miracle it. Workers, um, and he was in Guardians of the Galaxy. There you as, go. Um, yeah, the crook was he one of the pirates or something? No, he was. He was, was one of the. Guy. Yeah, I can't remember. He's in yeah, it though. Nothing. He's very recognizable. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's uh, that Witcher miniseries is like the f- about the first Witcher, which is set like a thousand years before mm-hmm. oh, Geralt. Cool. <clears throat> yeah. I can't wait to Excuse check that out. Excuse me. Did you call him Geralt just now? Uh, I may have. <laughs> Forgive me. you out. <laughs> Geralt with a J, Brendan. Geralt. <laughs> you know, like Geralt Riviera. <laughs> That's his fancy cousin (laughs) Gerald Riviera (laughs) I feel bad now I should should know better than that I've interviewed Doug Cockle on my podcast Anyway 
<laughs> anyway, let's get the taste out of our mouths. What's the most 2000s moment of Shaun of the Dead? There's a lot of little ones, I think. There are. A lot of little ones. I, I jotted think down the- a bunch of them. Yeah, yeah the, the biggest one for me was obviously uh, Shaun working in the electronic store. That made me think of like Dick Smith's, mm-hmm. Harvey Norman's. All the little niche boutique electronic Tandy. shops. T- Tandy, that's another one, yeah. And the <laughs> peak JB Hi-Fi era, I think, before we shifted most of our sales online. Uh, the CRT televisions get yeah. a lot of love throughout this movie. Uh, the home phones yeah, with the answering machines. Don't forget the accompanying phone book. That is true. The yeah. phone book, flicking phone through to, to book the fish shop. Yeah. <laughs> and um, mobile phones just getting used as a phone as opposed to app searches and games mm. and whatever else and then the also my last one was uh the disposable slash traditional film yep. cameras yes yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you had most of the stuff that i had written there uh missed a couple big ones brendan, oh, P- really? brendan. ps2 time splitters yeah i i <laughs> thought that at the end in the in obviously the near the end credits just before but um yeah, I figured yep. you'd get me on that one. Yeah, that's okay. That, they're talking about like Tekken 2, playing Tekken 2 five years ago. So the math checks out that would have been 1999. Uh, they're smoking inside at the pub, which is also a very 2000s thing to me because it was like when Bring I back. when I was two, when I turned 18 in 2005, people were smoking inside. But a year later, it was banned, in at least in Australia. And um, never again. So seeing them smoking inside the pub, yeah, that, that felt very 2000s to me. And as far as like the mobile phones, it's really specifically like to me, like the monophonic ringtones. Yeah. Like those kinds of like uh, MIDI file ringtones pre uh, Crazy Frog and whatever else. Would you say but not like... having your phone on silent is like 2000s? Because I don't know anyone who has got their phone on silent. But did you True. notice Ed was the only one that had a mobile phone? The rest of them were calling home phone to home phone, yet the guy, like, I know he's mm. a drug dealer, so I guess he's probably earning more money than the rest of them, but he was the only one that had a mobile phone. You're right, except for, well, the guy that... At the at the electronics store that answers yeah. his phone because he was buying oh, yeah, drugs no. off Ed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. And then also there was like a there's a bit of a montage at the start that shows how um, zombie like people already are in their natural lives, and all the people at the train platform were on their mobile phones, even though. What would they have been doing? I snake, just, just texting or snake, snake yeah. <laughs> or making their own ringtones. Remember, you yeah. could do that. Oh, yeah. I spent a lot of time making my own ringtones. Good times, good times. Uh, and also, Ed's wearing the three-quarter shorts. I didn't realize till the end of the movie there's like a wider shot. And I was it's like, even hey, more Kevin it? Smith than we realized. The yeah, shorts made an appearance. Far I thought out. he just had short legs, to be honest. So uh, the shorts were longer, <laughs> but that makes sense. Just the baggy shorts. Did you have anything no, to I add, No, I think he Maddie? covered it. Like, I wrote down, like, phone book and mobile phones and all that yeah. sort of stuff. So, yeah, I think that's all, it's all covered. Oh, right. sorry, the LucasAid being available at the corner store. I noticed that in the old fridge. Kill for yeah. a LucasAid these days, you know? Just want to rock up to the old corner store and grab a LucasAid. It was and good stuff, too. It's good stuff. You can, it's what still it? around a little know. bit. It's like a, just a sugary, carby, glucose drink. It's like a... like a It, it acts like a Powerade type thing. Yeah, it's okay. like an energy fizzy drink almost, you yeah, could say. But like a very <clears throat> neutral, super sweet flavor. Anyway, mm. bring it back. 
Yeah, I didn't understand why he, every time he pulled a can out of that fridge, he'd look at it. Like he was looking at the expiration date or something. No, like, no, no. He looked like he... Because he grabs the, the Coke, like the Diet Coke, and he yeah. looked at it and went, no, I'm not getting that. And then he gets the full strength. But then when he goes the next day, when he's turned over a new leaf oh, and he's going to get okay. Liz back, then he grabs the full strength. He goes, no, no, no. Now I'll go the <laughs> Diet Coke because I'm making a positive change. Right. See, I feel like you can tell without picking it up. That's all. Oh yeah, definitely. And you can in the glass, like it's transparent glass. Yeah. You could see exactly which can you're getting. <laughs> anyway, we won't hold that against them. Um, most iconic scene. What did you have, uh, Maddie? All right, this is a tough one, but I've gone with "Don't Stop Me Now" at the pub. I had that on my short list for or, sure. Or the yeah. first zombie encounter for me is pretty phenomenal. Just the whole process of them figuring it out. The scene goes for like a couple of minutes and there's like, in terms of a scene, like that one just mm-hmm. goes for a while. The, like the little mental cogs ticking in their brain and then like going into the like going into the shed and then like, oh, even before that, the record, like flipping yeah. through the records. <laughs> on the vinyl. Oh, but like even the commentary about the records, yeah. it's just like, it was like, no, nope, no, nope, no, it's the first pressing. Batman soundtrack. Yep. <laughs> Like, yeah, shut Dire Straits gets tossed. Like, I was upset about that. So, I love yeah. Dire Straits. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, um, they. I was reading some interviews with them, and uh, they like they they wrote a letter to Dire Straits apologizing for throwing the record or some shit. And, uh, <laughs> which I thought was very funny. But yeah, that I don't know. Funny. So for me, it's either like yeah, don't stop me now, or it's the the zombie scene, just because of just the way it sort of sets the tone for the movie. It's also the first death in the movie mm-hmm. where she gets impaled on like that, like kind of like that spike coming out of the ground. And it's just got that iconic scene of go looking through the hole in her torso at the guy's reaction. And I think just like, so yeah, it's hard. Cause I think, I think that might be the most iconic scene, but like for me, like the, maybe that other one, because it's just, it's setting them. It starts the movie. It sets the tone, shows <laughs> you what you're in for. It shows the level of violence, the humor, everything in like, a neat little three-minute package, I thought. So I'm yeah. torn. I'm torn between the two. So it's, it's valid. Yeah. I had records written down as well because that's what I think of is them throwing records like pointlessly at a yeah. zombie. Like it's gonna do anything. Yeah, <laughs> it does, it does part one of it does partially impale in the guy's cheek. It yeah, does, so uh, it's not gonna destroy the brain, is it? No. Um, and that, that's what I thought is like that scene is so great because it sets up that, okay, it is a zombie movie, but we don't really need to be afraid of the zombies. Like yep. they're certainly not that afraid. They're throwing records at them mm-hmm. and um, like pots and pans and kettles. <laughs> and, and the clothes <laughs> basket. <laughs> <laughs> it's So it's not that type of zombie movie. And it, that really <clears throat> paints the picture of how it's going to be funny as they go about these typical zombie problems that we're all familiar with. Um, I did have Don't Stop Me Now. I don't... Like, the song's awesome. I don't know that that scene is especially great because they they, they kind of went to me too far in terms of, like, choreographing to the music as they tap the zombie with their... Yeah, with the pull cues. They're so yeah. soft. Yeah, it's yeah. like, you need to go for the head. Um, but the reason that I had it most iconic is because it's kind of become a song that's used in that type of scene now it's yep. like a montage fight montage um i don't know if it was in kingsman or something like that but it's definitely like people have cut we were talking about the witcher before people have cut that fight in the witch's first episode to don't stop me now and it's like amazingly done and i, I feel like they this was probably the first time that someone set a fight scene 
to Don't Stop Me Now. And it's become a thing. So that's why I had it listed there. We're, so, we're on the same page. We're Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I'm, I'm the same. I had both those moments listed, but I also had like, which I underlined here, don't know if there's one iconic scene. It's more so just a series of constantly good moments and, and scenes playing out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was hard to settle on. No, this is the this is the tent pole scene right here. This is what holds this whole movie up. And there's there's not one. It's just constant goodness. Yeah. yeah. The um, I'll, there's two more things that I'll add, and one is the montage of waiting for this all to blow over. Mm-hmm. I think that is really iconic. That kind of um, not just the imagery of them like sipping on the tea or sipping on the beer as they wait for it to blow over, but that. <laughs> The the, pro- the progression as they <laughs> go from like as the as the plan formulates and they go through it and it's the repetition that makes it funny but also mm-hmm. there's these small nuances that change each time <clears throat> they go through the scenario so the first time he very sincerely is like I'm so sorry Philip and then they kill him and the second time it's sorry Philip and then the last time he's just like sorry <laughs> so <laughs> I just thought that was a really clever bit of um of writing or filmmaking which whichever person is responsible for that i tip my hat to them and then of course like you've got red on you like that as a phrase is probably the most iconic thing to come out of the film in its whole but i think that's kind of what you're referring to brendan how there's these things that kind of are sprinkled all throughout that yep. add up yep 110 percent. cool all right moving on what holds up the best who I, I, like in terms of like the whole thing, I think the pacing and the editing holds up the best. I think they're um, looking back at it. There are like kind of holes in certain elements of it, but I think the pacing and the editing make that movie still feel fresh and modern and different to everything else in that genre. Mm. And I think it is just incredibly well done. Um, and I don't think any other <laughs> filmmakers have done anything. I think you sort of bring up, I guess Kingsman is something I kind of think of mm-hmm. similar-esque, um, but I don't know, this just did it before everything else. And I just think, yeah, the, watching it now, the pacing and yeah, the pacing and the way it's cut together, their classic little snippets, the sound design is just phenomenal. And even though it's a horror zombie movie, I think, yeah, pacing and, and the sound design for me hold up really, really well. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah. certainly... Like Edgar Wright, certainly one of the directors you can point to and say they've got their own style and you can tell when it's his film like Scott Pilgrim and this like they just have something about them that you don't see other directors do and if they are doing it they're probably copying him uh, which I think is a huge 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 compliment to a director that they can Mm -hmm. have that kind of um, uniqueness to them Uh, Brendan what did you have for this? Yeah, sort of sim- similar notes to what Maddie said, but also just the overall writing. I thought the writing was very clever, it was very witty. The comedy, there, there was a couple of lines in the movie which sort of will fall into holds up to worst in the second. But overall, I found myself, you know, laughing the entirety of the time. Every joke sort of hit for me for the most part. Um, and then combine that with that sort of just frantic, constant pace that this movie has from the get-go, even though it's ironic because they're, you know, lazy, slow couch potato slackers, yet the movie sort of goes at a pretty pretty frantic speed the entire time. Um, mm. Just just makes for a good good cocktail. And what you mentioned earlier, Jono, regarding that forewarning, 
like I think just yeah. those little telegraphs of just lines that are throw away at the time and then you go actually no it's, it's just paid off you know 10 minutes later or 20 minutes later or 30 minutes later like it's just so smartly constructed this movie and it's just a pleasure to watch and also just wanted to throw a shout out as far as holding up the best to the practical effects and the makeup I thought the the zombies, even though they were a little bit stripped back and it was mostly just, you know, eye makeup and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, they looked really good. And then, uh, you know, seeing seeing the demise of, of David, which which is very shocking and unlike the rest of the movie, mind you, how he goes, like the practical effects of David literally getting ripped to pieces. His arms go, his head goes, the legs go. And like that whole scene, it, it could have got lost in a little bit of slapsticky too much bloody melodrama but it still somehow stayed weighted especially when they first stick their hands in his guts and rip him open you start seeing the insides but then yeah, yeah. <laughs> the rest of his limbs come too but yeah, yeah the practical the effects off at was... the end and then yeah. i love running around with his arm just like yeah. which um, is so dumb yeah. like so um, dumb diane what are you doing uh, like, i think this diane. is a, a bit of a it must be a bit of a horror movie uh, sorry a zombie movie trope for the zombies to gain superhuman strength or something yeah. because it doesn't make like brendan if you were lying there passed out i could not open your guts with my fingers like i just couldn't get in there i'm sorry uh <laughs> but it's, it's know, because my abs are so yeah. made of steel that's this, why this, this guy's this guy's crowd surfing through the zombies and they just open his innards without any hassle at all and then you know they pull they're trying to pull him back and his leg just comes off maybe it's from the belly button maybe the belly button is the stomach's the weakness weak point, and you yeah. can sort of penetrate in there and then sort of just whoosh, open yeah it's I like, like your the death logic. star it's got the, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the one spot. <laughs> um that scene is like straight up ripped out of day of the dead uh-huh. um it's like there's a scene in it um yeah where old mates just kind of towards the end of the movie and he's there the door opens behind him and they just pull him apart doesn't have the same uh, beautiful vocal effects of Day of the Dead as they rip his vocal cords open and his screams go from like go to full high pitch and then cut off as his head's removed. But they do get pretty close <laughs> with the uh, gruesome effects of the guts and right. all the limbs getting thrown everywhere. So yeah, that scene is just a straight up homage to Romero. So love it. That's cool. Um, so much like you, Brendan, I had that I had written down. This is a masterclass in foreshadowing and callbacks. Uh, I want to mention some of them that people may have noticed or overlooked at the start they're playing like time splitters and he's telling ed to reload and look over there and shoot over there and then when they're at the pub it's the opposite Mm -hmm. where ed's telling him where to shoot and to reload there's obviously like the you've got red on you that starts off with the ink and becomes about the blood um the the housemate tells him like you you know if you want to live like an animal, you can live in the shed. And that's obviously what ends up happening at the very end of the movie. And his response to to him in that scene is, next time I see you, you're dead. And the next time they see him, he's a zombie. So there's just so many little things like that, that especially when you've seen the movie, it that gives it replay value because you pick up on those foreshadowings mm-hmm. in a way that you just wouldn't the first time around necessarily. And I think that, like you said, the writing of this film is, is so good. And I, weighs into that as well it's it's not just like the dialogue and the pacing um but the attention they've given to to add those little bits and pieces throughout and you know as, as much as that pacing is really snappy and quick they are also not afraid to slow things down and they have the, that like long one shot where he walks to the 
milk bar both times and it's showing the basically the same sequence to illustrate how much things have changed in that time and i think that um just taking that that moment to breathe a little bit does the movie a lot of favors because it, it doesn't feel like it's just overwhelmingly snappy like quick shots it's it's like um it's just good pacing because it yep. is it's 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 varied is what makes it good pacing yeah. yeah and i think like i think what i mentioned with sound design they also know when to not use sound and just the sly facial expressions throughout the movie where he's they're dropping absolute banger lines and nothing happens but he just kind of gives him the old little yeah. nod obviously yeah, yeah. can't hear it but he just sort of like he delivers a line and then the way he looks at sean he just gives him the old little nod and the eyebrow raise like just like the whole like i'm sorry sean what <laughs> i'm sorry and then he just obviously <laughs> let a fart rip and then when he's like recalling his phone messages i can't quote it exactly but he's like drops a line about his mum <laughs> off or something and he just goes it just drops the face again as well. And then even at the pub, I had to write this one down because he delivers it. I think the way that he like delivers it as well, he gives it on. He's just like, it's like, I'm not going to say there's plenty of fish in the sea. I'm not going to say if you love her, let her go. I'm not going to bombard you with cliches. And it just kind of gives him a little nod at the end of it as well. And like, they just know when to not use ridiculous sound effects and just use mm. a little silly facial expression that's so human. And it just, yeah, it's just, it's these little, these, all these little elements that just, make it hold up so well and just make it so iconic still. Yeah, definitely. The last thing I want to say that holds up the best, Brendan, I think you'll appreciate this one, is the song Kerncraft 400 by Zombie Nation, little electro banger that's playing when he's on the bus because they play it at all the NBA games to this day. And mm-hmm. it's like the, the psych up the crowd tune. <laughs> and I just love hearing it in this movie that's 17 years old. Yeah, no, I agree completely. <laughs> that, that's a good get. I, I I knew it was familiar, but I couldn't put my hand, like, couldn't place it when I was watching. So I'm like, where's that song from? And now, now we go. The penny is dropped. Yeah. All right. So what holds up <clears throat> the worst? Um, This, this is tough because, like, uh, there's a couple of just little throwaway nothings I've got here, but some of Ed's dialogue... <laughs> Getting yeah. getting the C bomb within like the first like five minutes of the movie that took me by surprise again today when I was watching. I'm like, oh, hello. Does he drop there it? it is. Does he drop a C bomb? Yeah, yeah he like, calls. Can I get you a drink? Yeah, he oh, calls um, right. yeah, Liz's yeah. friends. Yeah. Drops the C bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we all yeah. know people like that. I think. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I think Ed's yeah me far out. Um, I think a few of Ed's lines, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, don't hold up terribly well. It's probably even then when they were in this movie, I think back then, I just, I don't know why you decided to roll with that. I don't think they'd be too stoked on the inclusion of some of his lines. I think we all yeah, know a few. Yeah, the, there's, the hand, we get, there's we get the N-word as well when, the he's, when they pull up in the car. by far like, the Whoa. worst. It's just unnecessary and a bit, bit tone deaf. And I think like it being, I guess, a British movie, even then it's still a little bit inexcusable. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that probably peaks in terms of... There's an N word. I missed yeah. that. Yeah, it's, when it's he actually- pulls up to to pick, like when he does the lap around, when when Sean's like, "Keep the car going, and I'll come back with Liz," and then they all get there, and he pulls up in the in the um in the jag in the in the jag and hops out, and he's like, "What's going on?" Mm? Uh, it's like, oh yeah, just hello. like throwaway sort of just super <laughs> unnecessary. Like here, you're like that didn't add anything to it, and I was like, actually, like I went and looked it up today, and I'm like. Did they like get any flack for that? And like, yeah, a fair bit. And I think like, unfortunately as well, like the kind of audience, very impressionable audience. And I saw some people like quoting a photo of them um, 
dressed as the two characters and that's what they used to describe the photo. I was like, eh, yeah, no bueno on that one, fellas. No good. I, I wonder if the version I watched took that out because I don't remember that at all. Quite yeah. possibly. I watched, I watched, I watched it on, it on um, Stan. So did I, yeah. yeah. I, watched it on, I watched it on Stan. It's there. I didn't hear that. Good. You, okay. your, your, internal, your ears filtered <laughs> it out. It was yeah. that unnecessary. Your ears were just that's like, yeah, don't compute. Throw that one in the bin. Yeah, that happens sometimes. Okay, yeah, yeah my, I definitely agree with you on that. <laughs> my other my other minor gripes, uh, 2004, there was a, a complete lack in, of respect for hygiene. Uh, obviously, messy living quarters, people just open mouth coughing, not covering on the buses and things like that in the streets, coughing, spluttering. You know, there, there's no there's no common courtesy there. And then the last part I had is just the 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 complete sudden lack of awareness from when they they sort of get stuck in the jag. They were all good. They had a set plan. They all had their weapons. Old old mate Philip goes zombie. They lose all sense of of sort of stoicness, and all their weapons are left in there, and they all just run. And then it's just frantic and, and turbulent from there. So uh, yeah, their their plan just falls falls apart. So it's more so just like a a, a poo poo on the actors or the characters themselves for just losing their mind in that one scene. It's not really mm. the movie holding up the worst, <laughs> but I'm like, I will perform better in that situation. I, yeah. I know, Brendan, you're the one person I need in a zombie <laughs> apocalypse. You won't leave your giant stick or cricket bat in the car. Oh, You'll no take way. those perfect weapons with you to the very end. Oh, yeah. All, all they had to do was go around <laughs> to the other side of the car, open the door for Philip to get out, and then when he was out, like, kick him or run away and then yeah get, get and then jump back, back in the car, the car. Yeah. i think you just but leave think... the car going with the volume turned all the way up and run away with all your weapons in it it's yeah. a much more logical decision but ed ed just holds up the worst in general he's he's pretty much a character like he's not a good guy there's no real redeeming qualities in the fella he's good for a laugh but he's just dead weight and causes so much of the constant drama and tension that they go through mm. the entirety of the movie like you know what? Like, Sean, you got to you got to cut cut weight eventually. Like, you can't have these deadbeat friends forever. And yet now he's got him undead forever in his goddamn back shed. I'm like, come on, man, be better. Yeah, I've cut so many deadbeat friends over the years, <laughs> and I don't care. They're never going to be my back shed if it's zombie time. It's funny though. That's one of the things I could have said holds up the best is their friendship because it's based on I think a real life friendship that they have together and um you know we all remember being that age like what is he 29 he's a bit too old for maybe a bit younger for me i I'd probably grow up a bit quicker than him <laughs> but uh we all remember being young and having friends that were probably questionable but yeah. who goes to the pub and plays video games all the time at 28 29 yeah <laughs> and it's not even that Shit. like you grow he's up with someone a, though he's making dude. excuses for him he's yeah and the the house the conversation with his housemate is is really like it, it exposes that because he's like this guy like you know he's no good you need to cut him loose and he's like oh we you know he's good he's a good laugh and we have good good times. So like, yeah, we played Tekken that night five years ago. Five years yeah. ago, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I think like the reason why they sort of do it all a bit a disservice and the reason why Ed's a bit... Well, the reason why I'm annoyed at Ed being a bit and not really redeeming himself is that in The World's End, um, the tables are kind of turned in the characters yeah. they play in terms of um, Simon Pegg's characters, the, the deadbeat, like, you know, deadbeat, but, you know, he's an alcoholic, he's mm -hmm. going through a lot of shit. He's got a lot of problems. He wants to stay forever young. He's trapped in his youth. But there's a good story arc. There's a good <clears throat> redemption arc in that movie. His character does actually grow a bit. And 
Ed doesn't grow. I thought I, I, I'm like Ed. Surely there's a bit of character development here. There really is bugger there all is character none. development in this movie. Even even Sean gets mildly better for a, a hot minute, and even in defending himself, he realized actually I had no plan, and we're all sort of screwed. So, um, yeah, I think yeah the <laughs> lack of redemption in terms of character development and and character arcs they don't actually get any better. They're still yeah pretty. Sh- I'm pretty sure Sean just went back to doing everything he used to do, but now he's got Ed in the shed. And and Liz even says that she loves Ed when when they're in the like in the yeah, basement the when end. they're leaving. She's like, "Love you." I'm like, "No, you don't." Everyone he hates just, this man. He just <laughs> dropped a rank fart, and he just said more inappropriate. <laughs> like, I don't know why you love this guy. Did he sacrifice himself though in that last moment? Not really. He was going out in a blaze of glory and then he asked for the gun. He said he didn't want to get shot. Then he said he'd prefer to get shot. So really, <laughs> that probably didn't help anyone in that scenario. Stole a cigarette as well. He's, he's in the bin. Yeah, took, took the ciggy and didn't fire the gun because if he did, yeah. obviously he wouldn't be in the shed. So, yeah, Ed, you suck. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Ed, there's no there's no character develop. There's no real actual character growth. And they, they, they did learn this lesson in the following movies. There's a fair bit of character mm-hmm. development. But, um, yeah, none of that in here. All right. Well, the next question is who would be most offended? I think the N-word would uh, answer that for us. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, wanted, is there yeah. anything worth throwing in here? I couldn't Not think of really. anything. I write down anyone that doesn't want to have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> valid. Very valid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's it. Does Shaun of the Dead pass the internet relevancy test? Oh, Definitely. Absolutely. We still got a we got a we got a meme running. It's still it's still a current meme in twenty twenty one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, I think it's we're relevant good. as ever with COVID and stuff too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I even forgot that the whole dogs can't look up thing was from this movie. Like I've heard so many people say that over the years and I just could never connect where that came from. And then I watched that and I'm like, What? This was where it was from. And then I'm like, You idiots that think dogs can't look up. I hate you too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you've ever looked a dog in the eye when you're standing and they're on the ground, then obviously they can look up. And it's at the same time, everyone in <laughs> on planet Earth, when they see a dog do a stretch, where they stretch their head up, everyone's like, oh, big stretch. Everyone says the big stretch. And they're looking straight to the sky or the ceiling every time they do it. What are they point. talking about, Brendan? What are they talking about? Bunch of clowns, JP. Yeah, I think we. So yeah, we still got a relevant meme. I think this is a definite yes to this question. Sure. Yeah, the red on you, and you know, waiting for it to all to blow over. That stuff yep. is used constantly on socials. Uh, how would modern smartphones and social media change Shaun of the Dead if it was you know made now? I'd I'd say. We might not have had this story play out at all because they would have got a, a an alert on their phone that this apocalypse was happening several days beforehand. So then they, they might have just got to the Winchester earlier and the zombies might have <laughs> ultimately probably got in anyway because they're a bunch yeah. of fools, but there wouldn't have been the whole drama to get there. They probably were just already hunkered down at the Winchester having toasties and drinking pints. Yeah, yeah, I think the, the the way they'd get around with that is just like not taking it seriously or ignoring the alerts, mm. which which, which he kind of anyway. does when he's trying to sell the TV and he's like, you know, it's got this channel and then it's yeah. the news and the news is starting to talk about it and he's just skimming through. So I, yeah, it makes yeah. sense. They probably yeah. just dismissed it. I wrote down the same thing. I wrote down several occasions where Sean could have used his smartphone to get him outside out of a situation 
and he probably would have just messed that up anyway because <laughs> he just didn't look at his phone. Like the whole movie, when it all kind of goes tits up, is when he's hung over and he doesn't think because he's in his little zombie state. And I think like this, once you know, if you get deep, you know, like it doesn't matter the the the, the commentary on all the zombies. And I think this sort of will play into um, the twenty twenty one question. But like, yeah, I don't think he, him as who he is. He's a zombie, you know, prior to everything going down and he doesn't take notice of what's going on around him because he's quite a selfish person and doesn't really think. And I think regardless if he had a uh, reminder on his phone to go buy his mum flowers or book the restaurant or check on what's going down, I, Sean being Sean, I don't think anything would have saved him from the uh, the predicament he ended mm. up in. Yeah, there's a good bit of um, useless trivia that I'll throw out about that, which is that Edgar Wright missed the 2001 foot and mouth epidemic by simply not having paid attention to the news for a couple of weeks he turned on the telly one day and he was seeing the cattle being burnt like you know just in paddocks and whatever and very confused so he he figured it's plausible that the world could be ending and these two guys would be the last to know because they just don't pay attention and that's one of my favorite jokes in the movie is that they see zombies and they see signs of zombies and they write it off as drunk people or they just don't notice what's happening or they constantly ignore the the radio and the tv when the the news stories are coming up they're flicking past it without paying any attention so that's a that's a great running gag and it's um you know i think it kind of holds true because a lot of people until something's being shoved down your throat it's easy for a lot of people to miss what's going on in the world which takes us to what you were saying, Matt. Could you make it today and what would that version look like? Yeah, I think you could honestly recreate the entire movie today and it would be even more relevant. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, I think with how consumed we are in all our various media formats, you know, we're talking about people looking at their their mobile phones in 2004 at the, the train stop or the bus stop. You know, you look at it now, I can't get my eyes off the damn thing. So... Um, yeah, I think you could definitely make the movie today. I think it would be just as relevant today. Brendan? Yeah, I'm, I'm straight straight with Maddie there. Like it might be it might be a little more of a sensitive watch just because the way the world is with COVID and everyone's hysteria about this this virus and what have you, it might might sort of not be able to deliver the same laughs, especially if it's set present day, but I think it'd still work and for the most part we'd we'd still enjoy ourselves. You could even mm. I, I'm actually like I couldn't like I wouldn't be surprised if they eventually like if they tried to do a sequel off the back of this sometime and just flash forward to Ed Still just as an old bloody zombie in the shed and seeing what's happening with Liz and Sean twenty five years down the line or whatever. So um, yeah, I'd I'd I could say it would work. I'd and I'd watch it and I'd probably laugh and find things just as hilarious. There was a rumor or at least a joke about a sequel. It's going to be called From Dusk Till Sean. And um, they ended up putting that in the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse universe on a movie poster in that alternate universe. I'm hoping we get a uh, titty twister uh, nod because uh, that's from Dusk Till Dawn. That's the uh, the strip club out in the wilderness. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is... I know it's we're talking comedy movies, but it, it is one of my favourite horror and favourite vampire movies of all time. It is so, yeah. so, so good. And the cast is dynamite. 
when we're going to talk about that movie, God. Brendan, you and me could wax lyrical oh, about yes. that. The, one. the sequel movies were bad, but the TV show they made of it was really good too. Yeah. I mean, if you thought the zombie invasion in uh, Shaun of the Dead comes out of nowhere, try being in a movie for about an hour or so and then out of nowhere vampires. But anyway, I digress. It's so good. It's a heist movie that so becomes good. a vampire horror movie and it is. <laughs> Love you, Rob Rodriguez. <laughs> okay, uh, it's time for the Steve Buscemi Spark Plug Award. Steve Buscemi. A real spark plug. This is tough. This is tough. I've got a couple of like rapid fire blink and you miss them that I wanted mm. to just mention Coldplay at the very yep. <laughs> end where they've got Zombade on like yes. at the final end where you see Chris Martin and whoever the other member of Coldplay is no one really cares about anyone else but Chris Martin he's there uh, Martin Freeman you saw for two seconds as Declan Matt Thomas as cousin Tom uh, Rafe Spahl as Noel uh, gets a little bit probably more love but I'm going to go with Bill Nighy just because mm. I freaking love that dude and he is a national global treasure i love yeah. bill nighy so uh he's my steve buscemi that's the list that i basically had um matt lucas wearing a really bad wig if you if you if you notice because he's obviously got the alopecia but uh that that was an incredibly obvious wig as he just kind of passes the camera at one point for half a second martin freeman uh it's kind of funny because it's um like people who've co-starred in tv shows with each other walking past each other so you have simon pegg's um writing partner and i think that the female lead from spaced is the first one to walk past him and then obviously martin freeman and, and lucy from the office and um yeah it's, it's a it's a nice little moment for i guess british uh, or fans of british sitcoms as as all those who's who of um the lo- of the time walk past but yeah um you're right bill is it Bill Nye or Bill Nye? I, I it could be Bill Nye, but I always I say Bill Nye. I think it's Bill Nye, but um, I, I'll give a shout out to Peter Serafinowitz because uh, he's great in that kind of limited amount of time he has on the camera. Um, I really enjoyed him just kind of talking down to to Ed and, and Sean as they wake him up at four o'clock in the morning. I related to that a bit too much. He <laughs> and the old man. Um, back at uni when people would uh, wake me up after an, a night out and I had class the next day or whatever. But anyway, uh, he was great. And I think it's hard to go past Bill Nye though because he has like, all those sincere moments as he's dying, but also he's just quite funny. Like when he says that he's run his hand under cold water. <laughs> oh, so good. I was cacking it out that day. <laughs> it was like, I'm fine after cold, yeah. it'll be fine. Yeah, it's so good. I'm I'm all in on Bill Nye as well. There was a um, there could have been some extra like sort of higher profile British stars as well in this movie. Did you see the letters they sent out to different actors and actresses to get involved in this movie? I Jai? probably did see that in my research, but remind me. Oh, I'm trying to pull it up now. The oh, who's going to play um Sean's mum? I forget, but it, oh, yeah, Helen Mirren or list. something. Yeah, yeah, Helen Mirren. I was supposed to get Helen Mirren, and she turned it down because she wanted to play Ed instead. <laughs> so yeah, there's a couple of like awesome people they could have got involved. But yeah, I think Bill Nye crushed it. Those those lines and like yeah, his little like beautiful like sentiment towards Sean before mm. he carks it in the car is awesome. It's just like unloading all these emotions on him, and he's just like watching him building this relationship to have it taken away. Yeah, Bill Nye crushed it. I thought. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, that brings us to the end, and we have to say, is it still a good movie? Yeah, 
<sighs> yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not. It's not one of those side-splitting comedies where, like, I'm like in hysterics, like sort of keeled over. But I was smiling and chuckling and enjoying myself the entirety of the way through this viewing again. And there wasn't one time where I'm like, oh god, hurry up, man! This hundred minutes is too long. Like, it's a great, great pace film. Constant jokes that land. Good acting. Good tone. Very unexpected, yeah, dismembering that just comes out of nowhere, but it works and I love it and the homage is great. So, yes, it's a great film still. Yep. It's definitely in my top two British zombie movies of all time. <laughs> With number one. It's only really With two 28 Days 20 Later. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which is phenomenal, yeah, no, though. Yeah, incredible. I don't know. This this movie is amazing, and I know as we sort of said, it parodies mm. and it pays homage, but it like it stands on its own two feet, and it is, I mean, my in my personal the best movie that you know these guys have ever been a part of, um, for various reasons. But yeah, as I said, like you go for the zombie horror movie, but you come back for the pacing and all the the little gems that they've hidden throughout the movie, and even now I don't know how many times I've watched it, but little bits make me laugh more than they did the last time and it just you you pull more out of it the more you watch it so yeah this is one to sink your teeth into if you, if you haven't watched this movie or even if you have watched it just watch yeah. it again because it's incredible definitely it's very layered in that way i agree with that and for something that started as an idea that um peg and wright had from a little like vignette on space you know the, the start of an episode that, that begins with him playing resident evil 2 it's really great to see how they could turn that into like a full movie that's done so well and stood the test of time with so much like love and care put into it i think like edgar wright was really like going bankrupt almost to make this movie because he was turning down all these opportunities that he was getting because he just wanted to make this movie that was really near and dear to him with with his friends Mm -hmm. and i agree like it's it holds up really well like brendan said it's not like it's not like Dumb and Dumber or something, but you appreciate everything about it as it's happening. Like you're appreciating the yeah. writing and you're appreciating the editing and the pacing. You know, it's probably a, a more akin to like a big Lebowski or something where it's like, man, this movie is so good. You're just watching it, appreciating how great it is and how great the performances and the acting, just all the little elements are that go into making it not just a great comedy, but a great film. And I think that it's earned that reputation. It's on all these lists of like the greatest films of all time. And it's like one of Tarantino's favorite movies of the last 20 years as just, you know, another example of the kind of respect that it has as a film. Yeah, I think um, like going about the respect people have for this film, I was reading some more stuff about it. And apparently they sent everyone who watched this movie and who liked it a little name tag like Sean has. Mm-hmm. In the uh, when he's working at the shop, which included uh, Tarantino and uh, Romero, yeah. and the time that Simon Pegg um, met uh, both of these guys, they were wearing the name tag <laughs> that they had sent them um, when the movie was released, and it's one of Romero's favorite movies of all time. Which I think, if it's good enough for Romero, it's good enough for you, yeah, because uh, Romero knows what's up, and um, and he pulled them I think into that's... his next movie as well as zombies. So he got Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg to play um, zombies in a scene where they're like strapped in to like a photo booth or something i haven't seen it but um i saw a screenshot awesome yeah it's got the respect <laughs> of people that know what they're doing a lot more than me so uh yeah 
Very good. All right. Well, that's the 8-bit stamp of approval, I guess you could say. Uh, Brendan, do you want to tell people about the uh, beautiful merch that we have available now, including the comedy rewind designed, uh, inspired design? It is so beautiful, the merch. Yeah. So as JP alluded to, do we have the best video game and pop culture merchandise store on planet Earth? Quite possibly. And uh, you need to go check it out to confirm if this is fact or fiction. So head on over to shop 8bit.net you can get yourself t-shirts hoodies caps beanies underpants onesies if you've got babies if you've got babies on the way maybe you want to wear your your dogs with these dogs (laughs) might fit these onesies there is bibs there's drink bottles there's coffee mugs you name it we've got it you want it go get it shop 8bit.net for the best video game pop culture merch in the galaxy wow I'm inspired wow I'm gonna get it right now (laughs) wow Maddie, is there anything you want to promote while you've got the uh, listener's ear and any new AT products that they should be getting there? I don't want to promote me. I want to promote you two Uh, legends because you guys do the hard work and you guys are out there recording and talking and engaging and socializing and doing all the hard yards to build up what you guys do. But people should just listen to what you guys do because you're great and everything you touch Mm. is golden. So. I mean, we, we anything you guys do is what I'm all about. We sound great because of uh, the support of, of people like yourself over at AT. So there you go. Uh, I'll take it. <laughs> you do you do all that for me. I'm all about you guys. Beautiful. Well, of course, dear listeners, if you've enjoyed the show, you can leave a five star rating and review in your podcast service of choice, especially Apple Podcasts and Podchaser. And if you aren't using one of those, you can just tell your friends, tell them how great we are. And if you really want to support what we're doing, head over to our Kofi page. You can chip in as little as a dollar a month to help keep the emotional lights on. But you can also pick up some really sweet goodies, including the 8-Bit Founders coin. And, uh, you know, be part of our 8-Bit Family Portrait, which will immortalize you as a Star Wars character. You can see all of the offerings at ko-fi.com slash weare8bit. Where can people find you on the socials, Brendan? Uh, you can find me on them socials and just about everywhere else at Brendan8Bit or the local Donut King because uh, I love me a pink glaze. Yeah. And where will people yeah, find yeah. you, Matt? Whether it be social or otherwise. You can find me in the ether hiding in my house playing too many video games and patting my small dog. That's about it. Very good. And you can find me at Jono himself. And until next episode, be kind. And rewind. <laughs> Snuck That's it in it. there. <laughs> I forgot what my sign off was for a second. Yeah, I couldn't even think oh, of what you, you sign off you'll was. You'll get there one day. Oh, what is this? Which podcast is this? Put, keep putting. No, be kind, rewind. Putting in rewinds. <laughs>